perhaps one of the most intriguing subjects on the planet uh, now and in the past has been the subject of the legend of Sasquatch or the Yeti, depending where you are in the world. And too often the story is fraught with fear and violence. And, and today we're going to take a completely different look at the subject with a man named Sunbow, who has gone into direct communication with the Sasquatch. And it's an absolutely beautiful story that I think will really elevate people's way of seeing things. And welcome, Sunbow. I'm so happy to see you here in British Columbia. It was by happen chance, thank God, that we had a chance to meet because I love this story, and I've been intrigued with Sasquatch for many years, and I find it deeply disturbing that so many um, journalists, and alternative journalists even, throw Sasquatch under the subject of cryptozoology, which is essentially treating Sasquatch as though they're another animal. And this is not your experience, and we're going to get deeply into that in a moment. But first, I want the audience to know a little bit more about you. So who were you before the whole phenomena of Sasquatch came into your life? Well, thank you. Um, I've been uh, uh, pretty much on a shamanic path for the last 35 years. Mm -hmm. uh, mostly I learned a lot with native elders of over 40 nations. And uh, I've been through ceremonies with them and uh, received teachings on the spiritual matters, which has been my main guidance in life uh, to this point. And uh, so I got used pretty early to paranormal phenomena mm -hmm. and supernatural and spirit manifestations. And uh, so I had this background and I also studied different uh, spiritual paths like the Vedas, different traditions. Mm -hmm. But when I met the Sasquatch and started communicating openly with them, that's, uh, I say they upgraded me because they, the experiences came with teaching and understanding of uh, about interdimensionality. That uh, features really largely into the story I noticed in reading your books. Mm -hmm. Well, let me ask you a quick question, backing up just a bit. The Native, uh, the Native uh, American and Canadian tribes that you've dealt with in particular, did they all have Sasquatch as part of their knowledge base or contact or just certain tribes? Um, was, it you, was the understanding of Sasquatch ubiquitous among them or not? Just about every tribe has some Sasquatch stories in their tradition. Mm -hmm. uh, they're not all the same stories, they don't all have the same relation with the Sasquatch. But um, every, just about every tribe has a name for them. Mm -hmm. um, and I found several elders who, who had knowledge about them without having like, necessarily a direct experience. Mm -hmm. uh, but they have, in this, in their collective consciousness and their culture, they have the knowledge of those beings. Mm -hmm. And so far, so far, in my research, before I, I met Sasquatch, my best source of information about them came from the native uh, traditions, because they had generations of interactions with them to this day. Mm -hmm. There are places I've been in BC, for instance, where uh, Sasquatch stories are part of 
almost daily life. They, everybody has a relative that has met them. Mm -hmm. So for them, it's a very well-known phenomenon. Mm -hmm. And I can say that uh, some tribes are not as familiar with them. Mm -hmm. For instance, I was uh, adopted by the Hopi Coyote clan back in 87. And this year I returned there and spent three months with them on the reservation, where I was invited twice to speak about Sasquatch in some uh, small Hopi groups. It's kind of rare that they invite an outsider to, That's true. to speak yes. Hopi group. And they were trying, they have a very, very elaborate pantheon and mythology. And, uh, they talk about all kinds of star peoples and different beings. But they were trying to figure out where the Sasquatch fits in their story. Uh, what we concluded after those discussions is that uh, the only place they could fit Sasquatch is when they arrived in this world, the Hopi met a man they called Wukwukuktaka, the, the man who lives big footprints. Mm -hmm. And he was a giant and they were afraid, so they sent messengers to make peace. And they brought offerings to him. And he said, I haven't been brought any offerings in a long time. Uh, I am the keeper of the land. You can live here if you live a peaceful life. And they, get, they know him now as Masao, which is one of the main uh, deity, we can say, or main sp uh, spiritual being mm -hmm. of their uh, pantheon. Uh, same with Navajos uh, who live in the same area. They don't have, they basically they had contact long ago with Sasquatch, for some reason kind of lost the contact. Mm -hmm. But in the last couple decades, there is more and more sightings in those areas. There's even a special corps of Navajo policemen who investigate Sasquatch and UFO sightings. Yes, yes. A lot of paranormal researchers now investigating uh, all over the world, really. Mm. What's interesting, I first became intrigued um, when I was talking with our my own beings. I have my own guides and such, and talking with them about 30 years ago about these beings and asking what the nature of the being was. And ultimately what I came to understand that this is a distinctly separate species from humans with almost identical DNA, but not exactly. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about that. But the, that have their original capabilities by having stayed separate than separate from humans which of course so much destruction happens with humans but also to have stayed in very close harmony cosmically and with the earth to keep their abilities intact so this particular species is really one of the last remaining that is intact in their abilities mm -hmm. right yeah okay well let's launch into that and find out how you first you first came in contact because this is intriguing for, I think, everybody. All right. Yeah, it's quite a long story. Uh, I had my first encounter in April 83 in the Petrified Forest of Arizona. And back then, I didn't have the 
knowledge to understand what was happening. I saw a Sasquatch walk and sit about 100 feet from me. Tell us what they look like in size and portion, everything. Yeah. Uh, they are, uh, there's different types of Sasquatch. Uh, just because of so many million years of evolution, as well on different planets, has given them a, a range of uh, genetics. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the one you saw the first time was, how could you describe him or her? Yeah. Uh, well, they're further hairy from head to, to toe. And they, um, they are taller than us in general, but there are also some that are smaller. Mm-hmm. I haven't uh, seen those yet. But um, uh, that one, the thing is, is uh, a Sasquatch are interdimensional being. So they can come in a totally physical form or differently. By raising and lowering their density. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So that Sasquatch I first saw was, I could see the, very clearly the, the, the being, the shape, but I could kind of see through like a hologram. And he animated uh, 3D images for me that at the time they were walking with the dinosaurs. Oh, so they were showing you holographic images telepathically? Yeah. Okay, and that seems to be everyone's experiences. There is this telepathic experience. Yeah, definitely. And this first feeling that happens when they come in contact, right? Mm hmm. Okay. So for me, that first experience, I was, uh, didn't know how to interpret it. Uh, I thought it was a vision, because I had, had visions. Uh, uh, it took me over 30 years to, to learn and understand that the Sasquatch are interdimensional beings. Mm -hmm. So they were showing you imagery from kind of what we would think of as prehistory with the dinosaurs and so forth. What was the point of uh, projecting these particular images to you uh, now that time has passed and you've had a chance to think about it? Well, it, it, uh, it's been confirmed by the, the messages they asked me to write mm -hmm. uh, just the last couple of years. And I've also seen uh, this year uh, half a dozen places, some uh, footprints petrified in the rock, mm -hmm. uh, usually bigger than ours. I saw a very clear 18 inches footprint uh, with all the toes and I mean so and that's on a dinosaur bed uh, fossil bed right and, and um, yeah these are in very remote areas obviously mm -hmm. right yeah okay. in the desert uh, painted desert mostly mm -hmm. so this shows that without a doubt there were humanoid being walking on this planet back then back yes in, millions uh, of years ago mm -hmm. right okay so you, you, after this encounter, this first encounter, where you were given holographic images of the past mm -hmm. and shown really a time frame even where the Sasquatch already existed, mm -hmm. then you were able to later find the evidence with, within that time frame, fossilized evidence of them as mm -hmm. well, right? So that's kind of a starting point for you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then as you moved a little bit further into it, I want to get to the part two where you start getting physical proofs and validations mm. that you could bring back with you. So yeah. let's talk about that. Yeah, right. Uh, well, the, I had then heard in a call in, 
86 Northern California, which is that kind of call that you know no animal or human can make. Then in 2003, well, there's a few other. You mean you heard a you heard a sound yeah. like a call, a yeah. unique call. Okay. Like, uh, I would say a scream because it mm-hmm. was there was a dog barking after. Mm-hmm. Uh, it freezes your blood. It's, it's uh, really powerful, really loud. Uh, there were a few other anecdotes, but then in 2003, uh, on Vancouver Island with a friend, we were coming back from ceremonies with natives. In the middle of the rainforest, we saw uh, uh, Sasquatch totally uh, materialized, totally physical, and we we felt what most people will describe in their first sighting, this kind of uh, psychic energy that paralyzes right that stuns you so you really can't make a move one way or another right yeah i've heard about this we kind of froze for like i don't know 30 seconds where we could not react at all i mean was this something that made you or your companion fearful or did uh, you know otherwise it's kind of impressive Mm -hmm. Uh, i i'm not sure if you 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 kind of decide if you're afraid or not basically Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, the dog with us turned mad. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I, we saw his being, uh, we were rolling by and went into the wood. I wanted to stop. My friend didn't want to stop. Mm-hmm. So I guess I was not that afraid. Mm-hmm. But I, I, what I, that experience taught me that day is that uh, the Sasquatch are definitely strong psychic beings. So they're not animals and they're not primitive people. So aside from the feeling of being stunned and and not running away from the situation, did something follow that? What followed? Well, mainly this understanding that I I had that day, a very clear uh, sign, uh, proof, I would say, that the Sasquatch are uh, definitely not animals or mm-hmm. primitive beings. Right. They are very evolved psychically, and uh, so they are something else. Right. Than what cryptozoologists, for instance, right. or even uh, anthropologists would. It's say. its own species, which we yeah. have not accommodated for mm-hmm. that notion because we're looking, we've been looking in terms of a very linear type of evolution from one state to another, not yeah. understanding there were many developments of many beings in the very beginning, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Since they found that uh, human DNA mm-hmm. uh, carries at least 265 identified genes that are horizontal additions. Horizontal additions, what's that mean? That means they didn't come from ancestral lineage, they were introduced Inserted. at some point. Yeah. In our human race, so uh, we're not the only ones either. Right. I, I mean, I like to say there's no one that's really a native. We're all hybridized on one yeah. on one level or another. At what point did they begin kind of communicating to you about their past, and what did they say about themselves? Mm. Uh, it started when uh, in 2014, when I, I came out west. About three or four years ago, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I w- well, uh, th- what happened is that I, I went back for the first time. I went to where my uh, 
native ancestors come from in northern Saskatchewan. Northern Saskatchewan. Okay, your your own bloodline. Yeah, okay. I, I'm part Cree. Part Cree Indian. Uh, yeah. yeah, and I um, did research and I found the grave of my great great grandfather, and and I uh, contacted some third degree Cree cousins. And I heard that story about my great-great-grandfather when he was about eight. Him and his twin brother were found in the wilderness in the Northwest Territories by some Cree trappers. They were living in a hut of branches, wearing rawhide, uh, eating bugs and mm. roots, and they didn't speak any human language. Your great-great-grandfather. Yes, yeah, so when I asked about that story to my cousin, she said, we have Sasquatch in the family. So then I understood not only uh, that uh, I'm 132nd Sasquatch, uh, but uh, that triggered me to want to know who are those beings, and they're so close from us, yet so, so hidden. Mm-hmm. So I started to do a lot of intensive research uh, and as I said earlier, most I found most valid information from native sources because there's a lot of disinformation and uh, speculations and made-up stories that do not describe Sasquatch. Right, right. So then at one point you were able, one of the elders reached out to you yeah. and started communicating telepathically with you directly mm-hmm. and basically said we want you to record this information mm-hmm. and share it with the world yeah it took a year before I was ready to openly communicate mm-hmm. and during that year they kept contacted me contacting me it was <coughs> it was pretty impressive at the beginning I didn't understand what was going on I uh, would hear heavy footsteps on the roof. I was living in a school bus, the school bus which moved. A school bus, and you, you heard footsteps on the roof of the yeah. school bus. Okay. And a few times. Yeah. Um, and as a coincidence, the following year, people, a couple living in that same school bus, had the same phenomenon. Do they have kind of more advanced physical capabilities, more dexterous, easier to you know, move than human brothers? And sisters. Yeah, they have uh, definitely very high uh, developed psychic abilities, mm-hmm. uh, interdimensional mm-hmm. abilities. But physical as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They have. Uh, they're the strongest beings on this planet. Okay, so now you hear this walking on the school top of the school bus you're living in. All right. Mm-hmm. Then what happens? Uh, all kind of phenomena were happening around me. Uh, I would hear. Uh, uh, whispers next to me. Uh, uh, one night, one walked and looked at me through the window, and my mind was not ready to to accept it. Uh, what we call cognitive dissonance. If we don't cognitive know cognitive dissonance, yeah. yeah. If we don't know it or can't explain it, mm-hmm. it's easier to deny. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those things kept happening until uh, a year later. I said, "Well, I really want to." No, and I'm ready. And they were calling me actually all this time. 
And when they started talking to you, because the book goes quite a bit into interdimensionality, speed of light, different dimensions, and so mm -hmm. forth, and the nature of the dimensions, these, I assume, were areas you were particularly versed in before they started talking to you, or? Uh, well, you know, they kind of asked me to transcribe those messages mm -hmm. because uh, I was probably well prepared. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's what they explained to me, uh, mm -hmm. all those years of uh, spiritual search and uh, learning. So you were a clear receiver. Yeah. So you were receiving the messages. I, I'm wondering, though, because of the sophistication of a lot of the message, messages coming through about multidimensionality, if that was new information for you. Yeah, most often. Well, I had bits and pieces mm -hmm. of all those uh, informations. But they put it all together mm -hmm. and, uh, in a coherent whole that uh, makes it all clear. For me, it's like, and for many others, I believe, yeah. uh, it's, uh, it's coming with explanation. Right, right. It puts it in context. Yeah. And why did they say it was so important for humanity to begin understanding multidimensionality in general and our own multidimensionality as well. Yeah, uh, because um, we live in a very materialistic society and we've seen what it does to uh, our lives as well as to all life on this planet. There's a very dramatic environmental destruction. There's uh, wars ongoing and always a new ones. Um, so this is caused by a very uh, limited understanding of who we are and what is the universe. We know now that matter is about 4% of the energy that is right. calculated, that is perceivable. So this 96% left is also reality, it's also uh, part of us, part of the universe, the fabrics of the continuums. So by understanding how, what are those other parts and how they, they're intertwined, how mm -hmm. they interact, we can understand better ourselves as well as our place in the universe, what, what's how to interact with what's around. And to take some of the emphasis on just the material aspect of life, because that is the part we're not interfacing with well. We're causing a lot of destruction. Yeah. And including into their domains, mm -hmm. destroying their potential to continue on Earth. Yeah. Really. Yeah. I mean, it seems their only salvation has been to remain in the, the most remote private areas beyond the human reach. Mm -hmm. And that is why at this time they are reaching out to us humans. And I have to say that when I had my first communications with them, I had never heard of people talking with Sasquatch before. And now, two years later, there are hundreds around the world that have come in contact that are sharing those messages. Are, they, are there common elements to these messages? Definitely, definitely. As, uh, uh. Mm -hmm. The third book of the Sasquatch Message to Humanity. They asked me to write the first two. And for the third book, they gathered 12 of us who channel the Sasquatch. 
okay. messages. All those messages are completing each other and you can feel they come from the same source. Mm -hmm. And there's uh, at least three or four others in this team that channel the same elder that I started. Kamu. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, it's interesting because they, they go into real specificity. Mm -hmm. For example, uh, when I was reading some of the part, well, there are a few things. Um, the multidimensionality and the explanation of the various dimensions in time and space. Also, another area I was intrigued with is they're very well aware of and do warn about beings that are coming into our reality, pretending to be something that they're not. Mm -hmm. Because this is affecting their world as well as our world. Let's go with there. Let's talk about beings that are kind of coming in and appearing to be uh, bearers of light, mm -hmm. the illuminated ones, and their description of what these beings oftentimes are. Yeah. Uh, well, the the whole purpose of life, I already explained it, is the, the evolution of consciousness, which involves healing and learning, understanding. And there are uh, forces in the universe that uh, support us in this process mm -hmm. and that, that uh, will offer help and guidance, protection. There are also some forces that work against us. They want to keep us under control, cut us from our spiritual na uh, understanding and nature, and to keep uh, their their grip mm -hmm. so on this planet we're we're facing those two energies and the sasquatch were really telling of both yeah explaining this how this works together the sasquatch have kept in contact with the star people which uh, more precisely the star elders the council of star elders because there's all kind of people in the universe but there are some elders whose role is to maintain balance and watch over the world. And, mm -hmm. and one of the things just to insert here is uh, that some people, I've heard this in the reports of some of the cryptozoologists, confuse the shadow people mm -hmm. on native lands with the Sasquatch because they can appear in different densities. They yeah. can appear as a dark shadow. They can appear as physical or as light reflecting from them as well. It's their yeah. choice. They say they're all things that are dark are not dense and low in mm -hmm. consciousness and all things that are light are not necessarily higher in consciousness. Mm -hmm. It's simply a matter of how that entity is interfacing with light itself. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, for a sense, uh, we in our materialistic perspective. Right we tend to see light as the highest vibration and frequency because that's that's true for the physical world uh, beyond the speed of light matter dissolves becomes pure energy and time stops it becomes a unified field but what vibrates faster than light is it's not necessarily lower in in energy it just doesn't emit visible light for exactly. our recognition. And that really helped me with the piece too, because when I've gone to the most infinite places where I'm meeting with just consciousness, it, it is a void. 
it's just completely, it's dark, it's void yeah. of any particles of light, but it's pure awareness, pure connection, and pure mm-hmm. consciousness. And for years, I thought, gosh, there's a, you know, what kind of place have I gone to? It felt beautiful and complete and uplifting. But really, stories such as this help me understand it's a, an illusion. It's a material illusion mm. to think there always has to be shining light yeah. around a very elevated experience. That isn't mm-hmm. true. Yeah. For instance, what we call uh, dark matter or black matter, they uh, call it alter matter. Mm-hmm. It's matter, but not physical matter. It's like a field of potential yeah. that consciousness must be applied to to take any kind of form. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they go into this quite a bit. I, I like that part because I'm intrigued with that anyway mm-hmm. and the way we construct our reality. And they do share quite a bit with you about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this uh, dark matter is what makes our subtle bodies, or we could say astral bodies. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very tiny particles that um, go right through matter. Mm-hmm. So neutrinos are one class of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but they always interact constantly with matter, mm-hmm. and just like our emotional bodies do. Uh, when we, we die, we lose half an ounce. For, right. And that is this body that detaches. Right. Uh, so this matter is much more uh, subtle and much less dense, mm-hmm. but it is a substance. It does have a certain mass. And yet this mass, as humanity, tends to live a very short time span. And they talk about the nature of, you know, again, the the whole journey is the expansion of awareness, consciousness, elevation of that. And yet we're in a physical body that has a very short kind of time span Mm -hmm. in which to experience that on Earth. How, How did they explain that to you? Why the uniquely short lifespan of humans, even compared to themselves who live into the hundreds of years, as we once did too, long ago? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Our first ancestors used to live much longer. Uh, we, have to, we have to mention our origins, because uh, that explains a lot. Uh, we as humans uh, have had... Uh, Genetics brought what we call star seeds from other planets in our lineage. Yes. The Sasquatch as well, but long before us. So, uh, this star seeds is carrying consciousness and a great uh, psychic potential. What happened over the course of our evolution, uh, we kind of got slowly disconnected due to outside influences. Mm-hmm. There are forces that came on it that tried to split us from, from our ancestral wisdom. So uh, it, it, and there were also genetic manipulations done. So that shortened a lot our lifespan. Yes. And our, by, uh, our chance to evolve and learn in one time, in one lifetime. And a lot of that is encoded in our DNA, that ancestral memory, but it goes beyond ancestral. The DNA also seems to serve as a tuning device, so to speak, for the higher aspect of our own beings. And we've come so 
become so disconnected from that. As you say, according to the Sasquatch and many other people, intentionally. And just as we wrap up this conversation, which I consider to be only an introduction because I want to have you back on a few more times and get much deeper into the knowledge they've they've imparted to you, why do they say the other beings have tried to thwart our development as a human species? It's a matter of free choice. Some have chosen a path of evolution and some of uh, regression. And mm-hmm. uh, if we take, for example, our human race, it's hard to put ourselves on the scale. Are we a benefic- benevolent or malevolent species for the other life forms? It's really hard to answer that. It's highly individual too. Exactly. It, it's up to individual choices and uh, souls. And uh, so there are groups uh, that have chosen detrimental path. Yes. Uh, and some have chosen benef- beneficial. And they get the results accordingly. Us humans are at a crossroad now with all the, our level of technology which if it's not coupled with consciousness, can cause our destruction. We're going to talk about that in our next discussion, which we'll probably do via Skype since you're all over the world. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But one thing I wanted, the one final question I just have here is that um, human beings tend to have a huge inferiority complex. We've been made on many levels throughout the last several thousand years, at least Mm -hmm. in our traditions, to feel less than, and that Mm -hmm. other beings um, are more than, right? And yet, we have this amazing ability to create just the, the music and poetry and art and mm-hmm. so forth that human beings are able of creating shows that we have very, very high capacities beyond beyond really many, if not most other species. Mm-hmm. We're just not accessing this aspect of self. Do they talk to you about this? and? give you any instruction even on how we can start doing this integration better? Yeah, uh, the, basically it's to reconnect with all the aspects of our multidimensional being. Mm. Uh, well, we have a mind, but it's just a, an antenna. A consciousness has no place in space. Yeah, this is just a processing yeah, unit. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, consciousness is beyond physical and linear time. So uh, this is what we have to tap into to understand all the different aspects of our being and of the universe around us. Absolutely. Well, on that note, because we're literally out of time here, we've, everybody's got to go different places right now. I just want to thank you so much for taking time spontaneously to meet with me here in BC. And then we can pick it up on Skype or something like that, um, one of those technologies down the road, and mm-hmm. get into how they describe the dimensions and light and um, uh, space and time mm-hmm. and how all of this works together to create our reality and how we can start transcending it. Right? Mm, yes. Bo, again, I want to thank you for taking the time spontaneously here in BC mm. to spend with me. And just so um, people can get an idea of some of what we're talking about before we even talk again, you have a couple of books that are out right now if you want to just give us the titles and where they can find them. Yeah. Uh, the Sasquatch Message to Humanity. Book one is a conversation with Elder Camus. Mm-hmm. Book two is Interdimensional Teachings from Our Elders. They both can be found on 
uh, Amazon. Perfect. So that makes it easy enough because nobody's going to reach you easily because you're mm -hmm. all over and you're in remote places all the time, but they can connect with the information. So until next time, and I look forward to the third book coming out, I very much thank you again for your time. Thank you.